Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Minds on Muscle show. I'm very excited today because we get to do an interview with the one and only Brandon Green, our illustrious leader. This man carries the torch and leads from the front. He does not push us from behind. So I'm very excited today that I get to have this interview. We've done this once before, Brandon. Do you remember last time we did this? Was it a year ago? Well over a year ago. It was pre-pandemic, yeah. right? So like two and a half, almost three years ago, maybe. Yeah. And it was a totally different space back then because we weren't doing FPM just yet. Um, I hadn't been working with you professionally at that time, or maybe I just started dipping my toes in the water. So I knew you, but maybe not as well as I know now. And... I'm really excited to have this today because I think there's a lot of people who look up to you both at our facility, uh, in the uh, local community of Newmarket, but also now online with Fitness Promenters and how you've been building your Instagram and your Facebook and all that kind of stuff. And I think it's a great opportunity for us to sit down and get to know you a little bit better because um, people want to know. People want to know what's going on in your mind. And so I'm excited to get to ask you a whole bunch of questions today, some fun stuff, some in-depth stuff. Cool. And I'm excited. Yeah, it's going to be great. I'm excited. I'm really honored. I mean, honestly, I don't like talking about myself too often because I'd like to lead by example. So uh, if anyone is watching this, they have any questions or you're listening to it, ask anything, whatever you got, I'm, I'm happy to answer. And I'm hoping that people find some value from this. So thanks for even asking. I think it's a fun idea. I think so too. And I know you're not the kind of person that would ask to be interviewed, which is why um, I wanted to do it. So before we jump too far into it, let's warm it up a little bit. You know, we're really big on telling people our stories here, and I'd love to hear a little bit about your story, and not just about um, Brandon Green, like exercise profession, but like Brandon Green, the story of like what motivates you and drives you to do what it is that you do. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I have multiple stories that many of you know that I've kind of scripted and told a bunch of different times. Um, long story short, for me, growing up, I, I didn't have the most comfortable and or easiest childhood. Uh, there were some challenges where my parents got separated at a young age, and that's fine. I think a lot of people go through that. But for me, because of that, there was a bit of a scarcity that happened in our life in where... Uh, if we wanted something, we had to work for it, which made sense. There wasn't extra money. There wasn't a lot of extra time. We'd go to school, and if you wanted to go to the local store in a small town called Holland Landing and get candy, I mean, literally would set up a lemonade shop and try to do that. Or, you know, like just really whatever toy that I wanted, whatever thing I wanted, I mean quite literally at a young age, I just learned to work for it and build value for those things. And I remember a stupid example when I was really... I was a huge Transformers nerd. I'm a gigantic superhero comic book nerd. And there was this one toy, it was a, a crab that turned into a robot named Rampage from Beast Wars. And I wanted it really badly, a $35 toy. And I remember like working my ass off, doing all these small little things around the house and for other people to figure out how I could get that toy and have that thing happen. And so for me growing up, that work ethic just kind of always extended that I knew at a very young age, whatever I wanted, whether it were a skill or materialistic or time, if I wanted to go on a vacation, I could outwork any scenario and get to any point that I wanted to. Uh, it just took time and energy. And as a byproduct of that, I started investing a lot of time into art and drums. I became, I loved painting and I loved drums. And the thing that I love about art outside of being like, hey, I got to save 20 bucks so I can buy this thing is it's, it's not just like a finish line is it really teaches you how to never be satisfied, but always be satisfied, right? It's not celebrating the victories or the losses. Art is art. And there's always something you can change and do and evolve and grow from. And that's why I love art, honestly. And so for me, the combination of that high work ethic, if you will, I don't say high work ethic, but like that I can outwork and work 
make anything happen that I want. On top of art and that mastery style of things are never done, art's never complete, you never get your black belt in art or you're done, same with martial arts, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And that just extended forward into all things for me where uh, I entered into a painting contest when I was 13 and I didn't win when I was, tw when I was 12, I didn't place. And then I was like, I'm figuring this out. And the next year I got second in a Canadian painting contest, which is cool. And it wasn't so much about me getting second. I don't really care about that. It was more like, a, I know I can achieve this. If someone else can do it, I can do it. And so that's always been it for me. And that's how I've kind of just approached my entire life that I know anything is possible, really. And if you want something enough, you can put the time in. You can make anything happen that you want. So you said something interesting about being fulfilled and unfulfilled at the same time. Can you explain a little bit more about how you see that in that relationship to yourself when you say, you know, being unfulfilled and fulfilled at the same time, those to me strike me as a large dichotomy. Yeah, no, they are. But at the end of the day, it comes down to, I think, and this is what I really find admirable in some people, is someone who is, has a full belly but is still hungry. You know, because it's some, in some cases, way too many trainers, I should say, train, we're talking about trainers, but too many people, in my opinion, achieve something. And it's a massive celebration, which is great. You should celebrate your victories and you should in, and enjoy that. But at the same time, lateral to that, losses and failures are equally detrimental. And then you see this gigantic swings in, in excitement. And we've talked about motivation, excitement and motivation and loss and motivation. And that's what I learned from art is that Art, you could create something and I could think it's amazing and you could think it's terrible. And then if you're in the middle, it's easy to look at the two sides of the equation and the yin and the yang and go, oh my gosh, it is great and it is terrible, but it's not so great here because here's what you can do to improve it. And it's fantastic because of these elements. So it's, I think there's this incredible beauty of the schism between success and failure that really drives me and I think drives a lot of other people and I get, I think that's fantastic. And you know, it's, you know, it's being fulfilled, but at the same time, not being fulfilled, so to speak, or satisfied and not satisfied or hungry and not hungry. You know, I think it's a, it's an interesting thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's so many things in life that end up being a kind of dichotomy. Um, but at the same time, when you look at them closely, the two things can exist together. Like you can exercise if you want to be aesthetically appealing on the outside but at the same time you can still use that time you're exercising and training to change the way we look on the outside but also improve the way that's working on the inside even though we know to some degree that if you're just aiming for pure aesthetics it can be very detrimental to the body or if you're just exercising in general it can be very detrimental to the body so i like the way that you're looking at this like stacking the two things on top of each other like that there's this large cavern of overlap it's nature though i mean that's what nature really is is if you think about the goldilocks zone that we talk about in our analogy you talk about earth you talk about plants everything exists between in this beautiful equilibrium between too much and too little mm -hmm. and if we look at it kind of on that grand scale right earth if it moves you know a few miles forward we're going to blow up and get scorchy and we move a few miles away we're going to too cold and then it's just you go too far either direction and it's not such a great thing and so i love that balance so this is interesting because it leads me into a question, which is, you know, can you name a time in your life, whether it's exercise, fitness related, or whether it's like a personal time where you found yourself way too far on either sides of those spectrums and how it was detrimental and then maybe what you did to, to kind of right the ship? It's a great question. Um, sorry, I'm pausing to think here. I think, I mean, the, the most recent example were the lockdowns with COVID. Mm. And it was because 
of what I said, and I said this to you and I said this to Taylor and other people here, uh, I believe that outworking any situation, I believe any person can outwork any situation with the freedoms and liberties that we have in North America. And I felt as though that that was taken away from not just me, but all of us mm -hmm. and having conversations with the strata team and you and Taylor and other people being worried about after years of creating an environment where people don't have to worry about things. Uh, everyone was worried about money yeah, and their next paycheck. And that bothered me because I mean, for me personally, and I encourage everyone to have a layer of redundancy that they always plan and always, you know, you got a rainy day fund of a few thousand bucks, so to speak. So, you know, if you miss a month of work because of God knows what you're okay. But it was a situation where it seemed like I had no idea when we were going to, it was going to end. And to me, I, I don't know, I wouldn't look at that as a failure, but it was like the lowest, most stressed, most irritated I had ever been in decades because to me it was this 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 thing that was way too out of control and i got a really good handle on my mindset but that was a really tough time because it was like well what the f do we do now and i waited and i fought politically and i pushed really really hard and a lot of it was from a place of emotion and i tried to create some subsidiary products some subsidiary products part of me in strata and i was really unhappy with how they came out and they were not what I wanted to do. And there was low interest levels in it. And all of it was out of this place of fear and emotion that failed and did not succeed. And so it wasn't until I took a step back and took a big deep breath and I objectively looked back at, okay, what can we do to move forward? What can we do to help people? What can I do to create new career opportunities, so to speak, for you Taylor and whomever else. And I've asked other people to be a part of what you see as fitness pro mentors, but Glenn and Taylor were the ones who really, you know, jumped at the chomp. And so that's where fitness pro mentors kind of came out of was <laughs> I took this, I was in this negative failure based place that was outside of my control. Felt like I was a kid again. I'm sure if you study psychology, you'll get what I mean by saying that. And it was when I took a step back, I took a deep breath and I'm like, okay, F this, we're going to figure this out. And my whole goal with creating fitness pro mentors which was rebranded from Strata Biomechanics was if we never open again, how do we continue to help people? And then how do I continue to help the people that are right in front of me? Because part of my role as a leader, I look at it, it's not just so much to help my clients, but I lead on a few different fronts. I have to help my people, the people that work and are a part of my Strata family. I have to help my personal family. I have to help my client family and I have to also, I feel obligated to help my academic education family. And so that's where Fitness Pro Mentors came out of. And it gave me an outlet to take all the things I'd been working on for years, which you've seen me working on with the marketing and business content, and shape it into a more concise package to help people. And it was set up such that, that no matter what, I was going to be back in that mindset of being able to help people, back in that mindset of, you know, fulfilled, never fulfilled, always working hard. But more importantly than all of my own personal egocentric stuff was being able to help people. Mm-hmm and create career opportunities for you and create career opportunities for Taylor and whomever else is a part of this program. Other people have been a part of it and also help people. So, you know, it's interesting because I think a lot of times when people go through, we'll call it extreme struggle, or there's a roadblock, they're having a really hard time getting over, like, as you mentioned, when the government shut everything down, the liberties were taken away from us to do things the way we wanted to do things. And from that, there was a struggle of, okay, well, how do I continue to feed myself, my family, support the people around me, and still improve the world that I'm in? And you, you came to this realization where it's like, okay, I'm going to 
create this thing. And it started with, do you know, I'm not sure if you remember, you probably do. It started with you saying, hey, how can we create like an at-home membership program? And we worked on that for a few months and that was like a failed project. But that failure needed to happen before Fitness Prometers came to fruition. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and maybe this is more of a philosophical question, but I'd love to hear your answer, which is some people, when they come up against that kind of wall, they spiral downwards and they can't pull themselves out of it. You were able to right the ship and spiral upwards. Now you've created this amazing community where we've got over 25 people in our student academy right now. Most all these people have gone through the Fitness Pro Mentors mentorship. What allows you to right the ship and move forward when other people would get bogged down the minutia and keep spiraling downwards? What? Yeah, that's a pretty... What is it about me? I can only speak to my mindset because sure. I don't know if it's something I don't believe. I don't believe that what the question you're asking that I don't have anything special. I, I don't believe that I am special or unique by any regards. And honestly, anyone who's listening to this, if you have an educational company, if you've made millions of dollars doing what you do each year, uh, whatever you do, I don't believe you're special either. I believe that all of us have the same innate opportunities to do something. And there are sometimes people talents that some people have, but a lot of those things can be worked and taught and charisma can be taught and communication can be taught. So for me, the the biggest thing in my opinion is that, um, I figure things out. I don't take things personally. I do it again and I keep showing up. And I think that those are the big things is that you can't take any of the things that you do personally. You can't, it can't be about you unless you're literally creating a personal brand. It can't be all about you. You have to consistently show up. I know a lot of people, and this is, we're gonna talk about this in our leaders program next week, that reach a level of success and go, I got it, cool, and they chill out. And what ends up happening if they have a team of people that are following them, people see that, right? There's a, there's a wake that is created in the ocean when the water moves forward, and without that wake, the, predator, the, the waves that would come after and the ripples are not there. And so there is a driving, you have to keep showing up, no matter your scale, you got to keep showing up, you can't take it personally, and you have to figure things out. Um, The number of people, even right now, I I have a client that's been messaging me some very simple questions of things that they could determine, and they're asking me for advice on it. And I think that a lot of folks could really just figure things out. And that's where it's, I think a lot of people are like, Brian, I saw you did, I saw you did this video stream, right? Uh, What what do you, what did you do? And I go, okay, great. Here are all the resources of things that I studied and learned. And it's because unfortunately, unfortunately we have so much information available to us right now. You can figure anything out. And then if you can't find the piece of information, you set up an experiment and you try it. Okay, listen, it's a split test. I'm going to say this one way. I'm going to say this another way and let's see what works. So I'm always trying to figure things out. I love figuring things out. Uh, it drives me because at the end of the day, I know the figuring out leads to success or failure. It leads to the next step. And then at the end of the day, just you got to do it all again. You got to do it again. And you got to repeat. And so I don't know if it's something particular. It's just, you got to do it. <laughs> we talked about with the Mario Mavries episode who's someone that's a big part of my past and, and with Tom Purvis too. Like you got to, you got to figure it out. You got to do it. Don't take it personally. As Brad Thorpe says, fail forward and literally make it rain, which is why I love saying that. Yeah. And so, no, I really like this piece about 
showing up continually because I think that is a hallmark of pretty much everyone who has some kind of business that's bigger than themselves, which is they just show up every day, even on the days where they don't necessarily want to show up. They, they do show up mm-hmm. and maybe they're not their best version of themselves, but they show up and they do something. And I think showing up is a huge part of it as, as well. But showing up and doing something like taking action is another thing. You can't come here to your space and do nothing. You show up and you take action, which is fantastic. And so far in this interview, you know, we've been focusing a little bit on more, you know, what shaped you a little bit in your childhood. And I was talking about some of these hardships that happened. Then we talked about this hardship of what happened when we locked down here and what came out of that. So the flip side of that coin, can you share with us the... What comes to mind is the, the biggest or the largest success you've ever had as an exercise professional and like how that came to be. Uh, honestly, in my opinion, I think it's the team here. Mm-hmm. I think it's how the team has evolved here is, is if I were to say something that I have had some influence over that has turned into a larger success. It's not any one business, but I think it's the team. Um, and my clients, but I want to I'll speak on the team side of it because I think that that's a bit of a different beast because when someone pays you for services. They're expecting a particular result and you build a relationship based off of that result and the emotional connection there, which is great. But, um, people, you know, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And people do not change in big ways unless there's an emotional driver for them to take the initiative to do some self-development and change. And one thing that I would say that I'm really honored by here, and that's where I try to teach in the leaders program as much as I can for trainers, is that your leadership role is so much larger than just being the boss. And by doing whatever I've done here, the work ethic I've put in, the energy I've put in, the facility, the people, the branding, the messaging, yourself, Taylor, Chris, Eric, Margaret, I mean, everyone that's been here, Anna, uh, now Rich and Lucy, like there are all these amazing people that have been drawn here and everyone that comes in this door develops and grows, which I remember seeing at Persicini Fitness, which was the place that I started working at. And I absolutely loved that. Um, I don't know many gyms that that happens. And that comes from having amazing people that are all working towards something. And we've got this amazing equation right now of all these people that have strengths and weaknesses that are all different to one another, including my own. And it creates this nice Avengers-like quality where everyone brings something to the table and allows for this business to be bigger than Brandon and bigger than Strata. So in my opinion, if I think of like my greatest success, which is insane, is seeing, like saying it like that, but seeing you evolve and getting close to where you want to be and seeing Taylor go from this young guy who had no client business to being one of the most sought after trainers in town. And then Chris, who was already a workhorse before grow and evolve into someone that is just this machine of a worker. And, um, Eric, who literally had no clients and was brand new, he started off as a co-op student at first and evolved from there. And I think that that's the greatest honor is because it's just like family and having kids is that if I died tomorrow, God forbid, the team will still go on. This business will still go on. This town will still be served by the people that are here. And it's because it's the strong personalities of people that are here that help this thing grow. So I I don't know if I went on a tangent there and that even makes sense. But to me, I think that's the greatest achievement because money's great, sure. 
things are great, cameras and lights, that's cool, but it comes down to what's gonna make a bigger dent in the future. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that Fitness Pro Mentors can also do that on a more international stage over time. I, I love it. And so, you know, what I hear a lot about is leadership. And we talked about this in the preamble here, which is leadership isn't or ought not be, at least in my opinion, I think you've said this before as well, you pushing people from the behind, but it's somebody leading from the front with a torch lighting the way for everybody else so they can see their own path and their own footsteps. Uh, you know, my first question, kind of a two-parter here is what makes an amazing leader that has an impact that is long lasting well after they're gone. I think it's kind of just what I just kind of alluded to with the team stuff and, and creating something that's, that's larger than yourself. Um, I talked about it with Tom, but I was listening to this, this clothing, this entrepreneur that created a clothing and jewelry brand. And he talked about that he created this company that grew to this ridiculous scale and turned into something that was not quite his vision, but was bigger than him. And that company was continuing to roll on without him. And then funny enough, he wasn't even satisfied with that company anymore because it had evolved past him onto something else. But at the same time, not being satisfied with the brand, he was still happy that he created something that had enough inertia without him that it continued to move forward. And so I think that would be the greatest honor for any leader is that you have to work hard. You have to put in the time. You have to put in the energy so that way people look not for answers, but look to be led by, that are looking at the example of hard work. Mm -hmm. And from there, going, oh my gosh, if this human can do it, I'm a human, I can do it. Mm -hmm. And, I, and I, I don't know if that's answering your question, but I, I think that's the biggest thing, really. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. And so, you know, I, I think a great jumping off from that question would be, obviously leaders embody a lot of different qualities, right? What would you say if you had to narrow it down to one quality, even though that would be impossible? If you had to narrow it down to one quality, what is the one necessary quality every leader needs to have? I think the answer would have to be communication. I think it has to be communication. There are other qualities that I think are really important, but I think that it has to be able to, you have to be able to talk to people. Mm -hmm. uh, you got to practice talking to a lot of different people because to, to harness a team, to harness lots of different clients of different demographic levels, to network with people that are outside of your facility. Uh, I think that communication and being able to communicate with anybody is by far the most powerful trait that anybody can. And I don't mean just like a competent, comfortable speaker, because that's a big part. We talk about that in the mentorship quite a bit, but you do need to be able to customize your language, your tone, your speed, your delivery to all these different people. You're talking to billionaire CEO of X, Y, and Z company who might be a prospective client versus a yoga studio owner in town versus a grandmother who has enough money to come to your business but has never worked a day in her life um, versus a teammate who is a much more emotionally driven person versus someone who's a bit more technical and less emotionally driven. You have to be able to talk to all these different people and recognize that to have relationships and have sales and have retention, you have to be able to nurture all these relationships in different ways. 
and customize it and quite literally think of each person like a waffle where there's all these different little sections of where maple syrup can fall into. And it's not like spaghetti where everything sews together. But at the end of the day, all these waffles create one gigantic system. And so I, I think it has to be communication. It has to be. If you had picked one thing, you got to be able to talk and you got to be able to talk to people and lots of different people and eventually all different people and not be scared of talking to people, not being scared of the rejection that someone may give you. We even have someone right now that we're, someone that works in this team is struggling with a potential client and they have a conflict. And it's how do you handle that? How do you talk to this person? And the conversation doesn't go the way you want it to. How can that be okay? So I think it has to be communication. Yeah, oh, that's a fantastic answer. And obviously there are many different qualities that a leader has to embody. And we've talked about so many of them already in, in different ways, but absolutely communication. I'm right there with you. Um, so you obviously are a leader here at Fitness Pro Mentors in Strata, and you've got a family as well that, you know, everyone's a part of a team. I wouldn't say that like you or Katie is one of you is like the leader, so to speak, but you both lead and, and raise children. Um, you've got two kids of your own now, right? Young. How old are they? Two in a bit in yeah. almost five months. And so what has having kids taught you about being a leader? More of the same. Yeah. It just reinforces a lot of it. I think, you know, I, I don't know if it's taught me anything about being a, a, a leader per se, but it's just reestablished my values around life. Mm. Because like if, a, if an important person in your life passes away, right? I think all humans kind of like, well, most people take a second and step back and go, whoa, you know, mm -hmm. this, this ride is pretty short. And it's a very different experience being at the beginning of that ride for two different people and seeing Maxwell go from being a bean pod that's codependent on you changing his diaper and drinking bottles versus now eating his own food and, you know, being more independent. So I don't think it's, I don't think it's affected my leadership qualities yet. I mean, that might, that's remains to be seen as they get older and I have to help guide that family with my wife, Katie. Um, but I do think it just made me have stronger values around my future and what I want futures for be. And it, and honestly, I think it's actually had a bit of a small negative impact because now for me, when I was talking about that figuring out thing, mm -hmm. I'm so, so concrete on, I, if I need an extra thousand dollars next month, I will get those clients. I will grow the business and I will make that happen ASAP, whatever it is, need a new computer. I will make that happen so that way we can have a more seamless video experience. You can see right now, this is still a little choppy. So I'm working on fixing that right now, figuring that out. Uh, when someone is not figuring it out and tells me, hey, I want to be pain-free in my back. I have one client right now who's got an, well, I can't say, she's got a problem going on and she's not taking all the steps possible in her life outside of seeing me to make those changes forward. And I would say that with students as well. Hey, I want X, Y, and Z. And I say, hey, here you go. This is not the answer, but these are all the most vital steps. I get really frustrated when someone doesn't take those steps forward because to me, it seems insane to know, hey, this life is short. You could make this change tomorrow, but instead not making that change and slowing down your progress to not get to the next spot, not figuring it out. And so, I, you know, it's funny. I think the kids have done two different things for me. It's made me slightly more, more impatient because I think everyone should strive to achieve their goals. Like, why would you? If you have a goal, why would you not do everything you can to get there immediately? And at the same time, it's made me really value life and mm -hmm. make me really excited about the future.
So frustration, Brandon, is such a huge part of life because if we are striving for anything that's bigger than ourselves or we're creating something um, for ourselves that we're dead set on achieving, we're certainly going to fail and things are certainly not going to go our way. We're going to get frustrated. We already talked about the pandemic and moving forward and all the stuff that came from that. And then you had mentioned you're giving advice to people in your world, FPM, wherever that is, strata and not seeing them action it because you know that that's going to help them move forward than becoming frustrated with that. And I'm, I'm certain, and I can think of times where you've given me advice and I haven't taken it, and I, it must be frustrating as well, and I totally get that. So that leads me to my question, which is, you know, when you do get frustrated, whether it's at people or situations, how do you yourself handle that? I have to take a step back and, and not let it frustrate me because I do have a response because it does, I want people to succeed. If you tell me you want $200,000 next year, and then you're telling me you're spending 18 hours a week playing Call of Duty, uh, I mean, and you're a part of my world, I mean, it's extremely frustrating. And it, it does like, it just doesn't make sense to me. But it's also, that's my own worldview and work view that I can't let interrupt my decision making. So I take a deep breath and I have to just like basically rationalize and think through it and go, okay, wait a second. This is not how this person sees the same values as me. Um, and, and that's basically it. Is that there's no way, I can't let it spill over and influence my decision making. And I can't let it uh, drive. Because I know other businesses, owners, and bosses that like get super pissed mm -hmm. and like will say negative things to people. And, you know, and I've had mentors that have done this for me that I think was a kick in the pants in some ways. But to me, um, I won't operate that way. If someone wants something and they have the tools in front of them, it's their choice to make that. And I can't make it my burden to share the information and then also be the gas in their tank, so mm -hmm. to speak. So how do I handle that? Honestly, I have to sit back and think about whom I'm speaking to and ask clear questions in my head about their values and what they're working towards and what they want and where they are on their journey. Because honestly, you know, I got kids at home and there's crazy things going at home. I don't know where anybody's at in their life. Mm -hmm. I, I can't make all the, I only have the information that's at hand. Right. So I'm making, as Peter would say, the best educated guest based off the information I have available. Yeah, no, that, and that makes, that makes perfect sense. And, you know, we've talked about this a few times in, in different ways in the podcast, which is this idea of being committed versus being motivated. And we've spoken about it from this perspective of FPM and, and working with uh, our clients, but also working with our students and how that all ties together. But it's such a valuable thing to talk about because I think so many people conflate feeling motivated to do something with commitment. And so, you know, I'd like to hear, again, your thoughts. You can dive into mm -hmm. as, as much or as little as you want to about motivation versus commitment and, and more than the impact it will have on other people, but how being committed for you has helped you grow your life and your business versus relying on motivation to get things done. It has to come down to that whole thing we've talked about in previous episodes around having a macro goal and your CEO avatar. Because celebrating victories and getting motivated by them each day, I mean, wars are not won by the individual Sorry, wars are not won by six, or by celebrating all the individual battles. It's the summation of all the battles that leads to the success 
the outcome of the war. And so for me, when I think of life, it comes back to this gigantic thing of life. If I know I want to have this amount of money invested, I want to have this house with property. I would like my family, my kids to have uh, more educational resources available to, to them than I had. I would love to be able to afford this toy. I'd love to be able to go on vacation. And so for me, there are numbers in my head of like, okay, by the time I'm 50, I would like to be here. And so those are my mechanical egocentric things. Now, it's really easy when you know, if you say, okay, by 50, you want to have a million dollars in the bank. Not just your net worth, but million dollars in the bank. You can easily scale that back and go, okay, I've got 25 years to get there, depending on your age. 25 years to get there. How many dollars do I need to save up per year with accumulated interest to get to that point? It's really easy when you look at the math of it. And this is where humans and emotions get in the way is because you can achieve that goal. You can absolutely get to a goal like that. Anyone here, you want to save a million dollars in a few years, 20 years, 10 years, five years, you can make that happen. Five years is tough, but you can still do it. You can make that happen. But when we look at that gigantic goal of, I want to retire by the time that I'm 50 or at least be financially free. When you go to your day to day and you talk about this commitment versus motivation, it's really easy for people to look at the numbers in my opinion, it's for me, easy to look at the numbers and go, hey, listen, I'm having a bad day, but today is a day and I'm alive and I can make some incredible changes today and I can move forward from this. And you might be inefficient or more efficient depending on the day, but it's all moving towards that final big goal. It's about this gigantic staircase and getting to the top one step at a time. So when you celebrate each step, that's great. I think you should celebrate. But if it's like, ah, yes, I got to, I got I mean, I used to do this all the time where I'd have a prospective NHL. I had a professional baseball player reach out to me one time and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm making it. I'm going to have it. So this is it. I'm, I'm super excited. And then they didn't call. And so it turned into this, ah, and then all of a sudden failure. And then that failure kind of slowed me down. And I was like, oh, no, I haven't done it. And so this is where it has to be commitment on your greater goal of what you want from life, be it family, be it money, be it freedom, be it helping people, whatever it may be. Because if you have that, it's not about how excited you are on Monday or not excited you are. I don't have the case of the Mondays ever because I'm constantly looking forward to what I'm going to be doing in 20 years from now, 10 years from now, five years from now. And if I get excited about anything, it's when I finish a five-year gap and I go, holy crap, I did make a big jump in that last five years. Let's do it again. <laughs> and so it takes that whole idea around motivation away because it just, I think, and I posted something about from Andrew Huberman, if, you're, if we're constantly like waiting for the dopamine spike to get us excited to go to the next thing, or we don't have that, we have all this emotion around failure and we go through the cycle of, oh, I failed. That means this. Now this is going to happen. Now my wife's going to leave me. And now my da-da-da-da. It just sucks. And you'll never get anywhere. But if you think of that big goal, it's what we do with clients. Mm -hmm. You figure it out. You show up, don't take it personally, and you do it again. So that was a great conversation about commitment. And you've talked about being committed to like these five-year goals and reviewing and looking back. And so you've got these, these big five-year goals, Brandon. You uh, put together FPM. And you're now growing this business internationally with people from the United States, from people from Sweden, people from the UK. You've got Strata facility that, that you run and then you own. You've got a handful of trainers underneath you here, more than a handful. And Beside you've, me. 
uh, beside you. Beside That's right. Me. Sorry, but you and you still lead from the front. So you've got all these different things going on right now, and you're growing all of them at the same time. How do you manage your schedule to make sure you get everything done and still be there to raise your family and support um, everything in your home life as well? For the last 15 years, I've put all of my time and energy into growing everything that you see here, be it my education and the facility and this place. And so I'm at a point now where things are where I'm happy and feel good about putting up a little bit more strict barriers around my schedule. Uh, I have to. Uh, and it's not even for my own personal sake. It's frankly f for my kids is that if I'm at home and I'm, and I still do work from home, but if I, when I get home, um, I am a devoted helping develop these children become awesome people in tandem with my wife. And I'm a supporter for my wife and I'm also a person at home. Um, so how do I set up those? So honestly, it comes down to a few things. I mean, uh, people where, uh, here, um, between you and Taylor and Chris, and uh, outsourcing cleaning and outsourcing accounting. Uh, there are five people um, altogether that take small or larger responsibilities within this business. So I don't have to do those things. And that's evolved and was strategic to this point, which is great. Um, that allows me to take all of the investment of what you see with technology that we've talked about um, to develop FPM to the point that I can run it off of a small amount of hours per week and make a relatively large impact, uh, which is great. And so it's all come down to microsystems. I'm going to see clients on these days between these times. Uh, and then on Wednesdays, I'm going to have this amount of time to work on particular FPM stuff and other things. Um, but the thing I don't like saying about that, and I've had students say this to me, is when they see my schedule and they go, oh, well, that's exactly the schedule I want. And, and they look at Chris's schedule and they go, that's the exact schedule that I want. And for all of that, it comes down to showing up every day making it happen. And then once you succeed and you're at that point of busyness, pulling back the leaves a little bit, raking it back and go, okay, here we go. Eight to six, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, smashing clients. Wednesday, I'm doing this and Friday, I'm doing this. So for me, it's, it's compartmentalizing it like waffles. Uh, and quite literally, people are a part of that. And a lot of people are a part of that, and, and it makes it great. It sounds like you spent a lot of time up front, many years, cultivating the skills and the knowledge and the team that you needed, putting in a lot of extra hours. So that now you're at the point where uh, things are definitely more self-sustaining, even though they still require maintenance, right? I mean, there's that, there's that law of growth, which is if you want to see something grow, you have to put exponentially more time in than you do to maintain it. And that's mm -hmm. kind of the law of maintenance, which is everything's going to atrophy. And unless you put the work in to maintain it, it's going to go to, to crap, essentially, right? And then there's the law of atrophy, which is everything is always going to be deteriorating, so you have to do some stuff to maintain it, yeah. right? So you spend a lot of time growing this business, and now you're maintaining it in a whole bunch of other, uh, in a whole bunch of different ways, and growing it slowly in others or fast in others, so that you can still have the home life that you want, live the life that you want, which is fantastic. So I love that you, you share that. At least that's what I hear. When you go through that. Now we're coming close to our time here for the interview. And I'd like to end on maybe some lighter stuff. Because we talked about a lot of in-depth stuff today. Sure. And so I'd like some more fun, maybe a little bit more different stuff. So I'd love to know from you, what is a quote to live by? It is historical continuity that maintains most assumptions, not a repeated assessment of their validity. Which is what Peter told me. It's an Edward de Bono quote. I have it tattooed on the inside of my arm. And that's, I got two things tattooed on my body that are words. It says unstoppable on the back of my arm. And it says that historical continuity quote, and because frankly, that kind of resonates with my 
worldview. And when you say that, what do you mean exactly? It is historical continuity that maintains most assumptions, right? So it is most people's previous data and information that reinforces their current narrative of how they viewed life, mm -hmm. right? Without repeated assessment of their ability. So that whole thing is about, you know, most people don't reevaluate where they are mm -hmm. and they don't review. And they set up pillars, they go, I'm doing this, but then the next day, they don't look back and go, was that the right decision and how could I evolve from this? Uh, I'm not telling you to look in the rearview mirror and frown on it, but we can't always believe what we've always believed. Big part of this evolution of this business has been me and myself and my drumming and my family is be constantly being open to reevaluating my current belief system and moving forward. So there's that. And then the back of my arm was the first tattoo I got and it says unstoppable. And it's because frankly, it's that whole idea of figuring it out and, not, and showing up, which I know Michelle Amore likes that quote too. So beautiful Brandon if you could gift one book to the entire world what book would it be that's a great question um, you know for who the world I think tribes I really like tribes I like Seth Godin's book tribes I've read a lot of different business books um, and I think tribes is a great one because it's so much bigger than just a business book. Like it is a business book, but it talks about the importance. And this comes back to Mark Magna's conversation we did uh, around culture mm -hmm. and community and stuff like that. So I would highly recommend that because no matter where you are, if you're an executive and you're seeing nobody, like not you're working with a very small group of people, or you have a gigantic group of people in you, or you're just a family person, it really helps to shape interesting values around um, people. Yeah. Okay. I love it. So Ben, how old are you now? 30... I want to say 33, but 35? No, 33. I'm 33. I'm turning 34 next month. 34 next month. Okay, so if you can go back 13, 14 years and give one piece of advice to 20-year-old Brandon, what advice would you give him? How many years ago? Uh, when you're 20. You go back to speak when you're 20. Um, it would be to, to listen to my gut about people a bit more. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the hardest lessons I've learned would be putting too much stock into people that are not investing back into the relationship. Mark Magnus said something that really resonated with me and it's, you know, treat people how you want to be treated. And I don't think that's a great quote and that's what he said and I get why. It's a very selfish thing, right? Treating others how you want to be treated uh, is very much about you and not about them. And what it really should be is treat others how they want to be treated. Well, I did a lot of trying to help people in my life that were causing more stress and more problems and ultimately created some of the biggest challenges in my life that I've ever had, multiple folks. And I'm sure everyone can resonate to this. And I had people along the way warn me, hey, this person is causing, like is gonna do something not good in your life. Um, so if I could give that advice to 20 year old Brandon, it would be, and it's funny saying that, I mean, like I would love to say, I'm gonna, I was about to say to avoid certain people and listen to my gut. But at the same time, like looking back at that whole repeated historical continuity thing is that those people that cause stress in my life and around my family and all these negative things also help to shape who I am today. So, um, yeah, I think that would still be it though. Yeah, well, that's perfect. And so I think it's the last question I want to ask is, um, so you say you're turning 34 next month. Project yourself 15, 16 years in the future. You're 50 years old. You've got the life that you want to live, all those fun toys you were talking about, getting closer to retirement. What does 50-year-old Brandon give, what, what advice does 50-year-old Brandon give you today? Honestly, this is what I'm, this is how I live. 
I mean, I'm always thinking about that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's funny. I mean, I don't know particular words, but that the narrative I live by today is thinking about how I would be talking to myself in the future. Okay. If I talk to the dad, grandpa version of Brandon, what would he say to me? Um, and it's honestly all of those things. I don't want to sound too repetitive, but it ultimately my, my work view and my worldview um, all resonate with, with one another. And so, you know, I'm sure that my older self would say, hey, relax, take a little bit of time. But I also know that every person who's an entrepreneur who's trying to do something, um, help people, uh, has, would say the same things to themselves, even all my 70-year-old clients. So I think, um, I think that'd be it. Maybe I would tell myself to chill out a little bit, but at the same time, I won't <laughs> because it comes down, it's bigger than me. Like the things that I'm trying to work on, it's, not just, it's just not just about me. I was just doing things for myself, it'd be pretty easy, but we've got a lot of, there's a lot of things that are based off of the, the leading that I've got going on right now. Um, I think maybe the one thing I would tell myself that I would tell everyone that wants to be a leader is uh, delegate, delegate things as soon as you can, uh, more for yourself, because you've got amazing people around you, and that's where I'm grateful for you and Taylor and Chris and my accounting and all that stuff. Awesome. Well, Brandon, thank you so much for sitting down and letting us do this interview with you today. I learned a lot about you stuff I didn't know, and I appreciate your openness because I know these weren't uh, questions where I'm lobbing you the ball and it's the home run derby and they're easy to head of the park. There were some ones there that I think were a little bit more thought-provoking. I appreciate you bringing the level of thought to it that you did. So thank you so much for doing the podcast with me today and always doing the podcast with me. I really enjoy it. I really love our professional relationship. I love our friendship, and thank you so much for just being there for me and everyone here at Stratton FPM. Yeah, well, I'm honored and I, and I hope that there's some value with this. And, and I tried to answer all my questions as honestly as possible. So I pardoned the long pauses at a couple times. But um, that's why I love doing, you know, the exercise Titan interview series. And I love doing this stuff because I think everyone has a story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I tell a lot of stories from a business marketing end which, with specific purposes. But I was hoping today that everything I share would be more just open and learning a little bit more about who this person is. And it's not so much an egocentric dispensing of what's going on in my head. I really hope that it, it helps somebody because I believe that every human has something valuable to share. Um, so thanks for having me. Thanks for asking. I think this is great. Oh, you and I both believe in honesty is the best policy. And I think you brought that today. Everybody, this has been another episode of the Minds on Muscle show here at the Fitness Pro Mentors podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you ever want some help with your business, you know this guy knows a lot of stuff. I know some stuff too. We'd be happy to jump on a call with you and help you figure out stuff that you can do today to grow your business. If you like this on Facebook, uh, let us know. Comment below. We'd love to hear from you. Everybody, have a great day. Take care. Brennan, thanks again for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. That was a lot of fun. Cheers, man.